you understand that? Episode nine of Flourish Heavy. We're back with a very special guest. Actually, the first guest that we ever had on the podcast, my guy, Josh Peck. Wow. 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 Um, this episode obviously is brought to you by our people, the Thrivers, over at Lifehouse Tonic and Elixirs. Two locations, one in the Westfield Century City Mall and another location on Sunset Boulevard, 7515 Sunset Boulevard on the north, uh, north south. Yeah, it's on the north side, uh, just east of Fairfax. You can also check them out at lifehousetonics.com. Everyone you know, wonders how I lost the weight. It's all because I flourish, smoke weed. Go to Lifehouse, ingest their products every day. Every um, day, right? Every single day. I, I, every, every day I can get there. Right. Every day I can get there. Uh, so Lifehouse Tonics. Um, and then I'd like to shout out No Kid Hungry. Great organization. Check them out. They're feeding kids all over the country and abroad. Um, and that's what we are talking about off top. The little sponsors. I like, Even though they're not paying me, I like to shout them out. Um, Wait, if they're not paying you, then how are they sponsoring? I get free shit from okay. Lifehouse. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I like uh, that. Yeah. I, I don't want to lie to the listeners and say I'm getting all these chicks, but. That is the most genuine thing I've ever heard. It's like, I just want to thank y'all for the hookup. Yeah. Y'all take care of me. Oh, trust me. Once we get to that level of downloads, we'll be, we'll be. I know, but I'll still shout them out though. Cause they always took care of me from the beginning. I love it. Yeah. It'd be like, I'm gonna need a free smoothie and a hundred bucks in cash. <laughs> yeah. 150. Let's, let's bump it up to 150. Yeah. Come on. Come on now. Um, but yo, uh, thank you so much for coming back here. Are you kidding? We got Josh Peck in the studio. We're here in beautiful Los Angeles, California. Yeah. It is March 16th. We're out here. Uh, we're out here. Thriving. A lot, a lot going on um, with the Thrive. Of I just, course. I just turned 32 this past Monday. I know. How was that? It was really good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of love. Yeah. How, how old are you? I'm going to be 32 in November. Exactly. Right behind 86, boys. Exactly. So yeah. you get to a point where you realize what you want and what you have and where you're moving and where you're going and what's important. And it's a beautiful age. I think 31, 32. I mean, you're, we're grownups. We're, I'm officially an adult. An even, adult. Even though I'm still in overdraft. Right. Um, <laughs> Same here. Still banking like a 22 year old. I like that. Um, still trying to go explain what happened to the bank teller so that they, you know, get rid of those fees. Yeah. It was so funny. One time I went to the bank and I was like, oh yeah, it's my birthday. And they're like, how old are you trying? It's like a year ago. Like, how old are you trying? I'm like 31. And they were like, oh, <laughs> like. We thought you were way younger, like, because you banked like a fucking 15. <laughs> they were like, um, we're going to have to up his uh, his limit to over a grand. Yeah, to way over a grand. <laughs> way over. Way over. Come on, man. Um, I don't even have a U.S. credit card yet. Uh, no. Um, no. Yeah, I've been Wait, here Are you years. represented by Scotiabank? I'm represented by uh, TD Bank back in Toronto. Strong. Strong. Strong Strength. Moves. And uh, Chase out here. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think Chase is a really acceptable banking institution. Yeah. 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 Getting money. Yeah. Chase, why not them? Yeah. Chase that, chase that check. They're major. Yeah. You're not at a credit union. They're like the ICM of banks. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. They're not the biggest. Yeah. But they're one of. Yeah. They, they might even be Gersh. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't want to call them WME. Right. They're no, no, no. They're no CAA. Please come Please, on, come on. Well, what, like, yeah, no, no. So you're 32 now, and what are you like? How does? Because I feel. I mean, I know we always hear that, but when I turned 30 and now 31, I mean, there's a certain level of like you're reconciling your existence. Well, what's funny about it is when I was younger, I used to tell myself, when you're 30, you're going to be a millionaire, right? You're going to have a couple kids, you're going to have a couple houses, right? A couple businesses. I'm 32. <laughs> no kids, no millions, no complaints. No complaints. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know what? I'm in a, a a great place. My health is in a good place. I feel better than I ever have. And what the fuck? What what more else do I need? I got my family and my friends and and a dream. And we're chasing, baby. Uh, you know, I feel like it sounds corny, but you do have that thing that I think is sort of the most valuable thing you can have and you can't put a price to it, which is sort of this youthful exuberance because I see people that are like in their 20s where they literally look like they've already been beaten down by life and that they've sort of entered into the system where the next 40 years of their life, every day will look Automated. the same. Yeah. Automated. And- there is nothing wrong with having a routine. I feel like that's how I've developed a better lifestyle. Yeah. However. We thrive in routine. We thrive on routine. Especially men, I think. I think 
I think it routine creates a. I think it's good for anybody, men or women. Right. It, it can create the 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 template to flourish. You know, yes. if you wake up every morning and the plant needs a little bit of water, and you wake up every morning and you give it a little bit of water, the roots are going to grow and it's going to bloom. And it's that's if that's what the 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 schedule is. You know, people always ask me like, "How'd you lose the weight, yo? How'd you lose the weight?" I don't, I'm like, first of all, it's not rocket science. Right. Like I exercised, I stopped eating after 12 and uh, I started ingesting probiotics and stuff like that. But 12 midnight or 12 noon? 12 midnight. Okay. So did you, well, you're a comedian, right? So you would do late night I'd be up, Exactly. I'd be up at you'd two be, in the morning. You'd be hitting wings at the cellar at three in the morning. Oh my with, God. And, and even with in, rock and Seinfeld. And, and I still do. Yeah. I know. Seinfeld yeah. just called me the other night to go get some wingies. Yo, if Seinfeld, I said, Seinfeld, fuck off. If Seinfeld wants to eat some fucking wings after midnight, we eat wings. Yeah. We eat wings. Yeah. Our no. answer is how hot, Jer? Yeah. How, how hot? How hot? How hot can you handle, Jer, yeah. in your new balances? Bone or boneless? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Bone I guarantee, in? I guarantee you he's like lemon pepper. Max. Oh, man. He's not yeah. a hot guy. No, no, no. No, he, he's never done hot ones. Yeah, he's a sweet, chilly guy. He's, he said no to hot ones a few times. Yeah. Hot ones hit me up. Yo, hot ones? Yo, hot ones hit me up. One of the most brilliant ideas ever. Great, great simple. Yeah. Very simple. Love that's, that. That's such a lane for you. You could do that with your eyes closed. Of course. Not yeah. to underestimate the greatness of hot ones. And I think the host is actually- No, 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 it's great. It's great. Quite good. I'm just saying, Jerry's been asked a few times and he said no. Wow. Yeah, Jerry. You hold, heard it here first. Hold stern, Jerry. Jerry, get your shit together. Yeah, no, Jerry, no, Jerry, you're good. You got your comedians with cars. You don't need to eat wingies like that. I Me, on the other on the other hand, need the exposure. Love wingies. Love spicy. I rarely turn. Did down you do hot ones? No. They haven't asked you. Of course not. Fuck them. Yeah, they're busy. But, yeah, you know what? Fuck you. No. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um. Even any March Madness teams. I, you know, it's so, I'm going to March Madness. Oh, in San Antonio. Of, where was my invite? I know. God, you, could, do you love that? San Antonio. You live for it? I don't live for it, but I mean, you love what basketball. A what a come. Actually, yeah. I, when, when are you going? Next weekend? Yeah, it's next weekend, the 29th. Fuck, I'm going to be in New Orleans, but I wish that I was going. I'm, Next time, invite me. Yo, well, are you I'm, going with Paige? No, no, no. I'm going for work. Okay, I'm working with a brand, Wendy's. Shout out. Oh, fuck! It yeah. is my pleasure because I'm in love with Wendy's. Spicy chicken sandwich, one of the best. Yo, killer, right? Frosty, one of the best. They don't mess around. The burgers, oh, dude, Come love on. Wendy's. It's just love a great experience Wendy's. altogether. Love Wendy. So I'm gonna be going there to work with the brand, but as an offshoot, and obviously the great things that we get to do in our special, you know, completely, um, well, what's the word? Privileged lives mm -hmm. is, is that I get to go to the games, which I'm stoked about. I just like to see like athletes being uh, athletic. Yes. Because I am so not athletic. You could be. Not Look really. Look at your guns. Look at those guns. Come on, son. Come on. Do you I, I'm physically capable. Like if there was a workout, contest and it was like how well you can you know curl about do a bicep curl perhaps i could compete but I, I feel like if you were to train four times a week for however long you'd be shredded yeah i it i think if i just tailored my diet i'd be shredded yeah. because i work out a lot oh really and it's part and parcel because i you know it's part of just my transition over the years but yeah i work out like five six times a week be it hot yoga wow or the gym or whatever i didn't know that but i don't eat in a way that supports that i kind of just eat whatever i want yeah that's what i do yeah yeah but that's you have to do that otherwise you're gonna go fucking nuts eating nutrigame bars and like exercising you're gonna have no Indulgence, chicken breast and broccoli. It's like you're not gonna fuck missionary like all the time. You fuck know, out of here. No. yeah, you want to pull some hair, go doggy style, stand up sixty nine. Yeah, oh, stand up sixty nine. Why not? What a classic move. <laughs> I mean, God, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever done a stand up sixty nine. <laughs> you should employ it. Have you? Uh, I mean, oh, I think wow. we, I think we started laughing you know in the middle. You, but you know what's funny <laughs> is that you know what's funny is that when I was losing weight, people were like, well, "What's your goal?" I was like, "Well, my goal is to dunk a basketball on a ten foot <laughs> net and to be able to eat out a girl standing up like a watermelon." You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that. But not neither have taken place. Uh, that's all right. Maybe, that's okay. <laughs> maybe you need to lower the hoop in, in got, both respects. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Sit, sit in a chair. Right. You know? 
Um, yeah, it's good to have goals. It's good to have weight loss goals. Yeah, and I need, keep to, do your some, eye on I need the to do some calf raises. Just as, <laughs> just as uh, uh, going back to what you were saying before, I too, because obviously I lost a lot of weight, and people were were obviously so obsessed with body image and. And it's such a straight flourishing. <laughs> I just put my leg up. I'm like, we're full. You got your leg up too. This is come you know, on. We should, we should. We really got to have one together. Yo, this I, feels I, right. I know. I know. We should. I know. Let's just do it. Fireworks. Let's just do it. Let it happen. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. And and people are so obsessed with with body image and and diet and food and our whole friggin' world. It sort of is is rotating around this thing, but. I too have been been in the situation where people have asked me like, "How did you do it? How did you? What's the secret?" And I want to be like, "You're not gonna like my answer because it's boring." Yeah, because it's a thing that we've been learning since we were ten at phys ed. Like, you know what the fuck to do to lose weight? It, yeah, it was like I ate less, I worked out, like I had less cheat meals, I was you know more conscious of what I was eating, and I tried to burn as many calories as I could. It's it's not a complicated equation, and you know what's funny mm. too is when people ask me, they're like. How did you lose weight? Like they're asking all, I'm like, you know, or, or when they're asking from a perspective, like, how should I lose weight? When right. People, not, not how did you lose the weight, but how, how can I lose? Someone said, how can I lose 40 pounds? And I looked at them and I'm like, do you want to lose? Like, do you actually want to lose weight? Right. Because like, if you do, then just do it. You know? Right. It's kind of like a, a decision that you make for yourself. It's not a how. How it's not it's not a how is it going to happen? It's like you know how are you going to make a lot of money? Uh, start a business, work hard, keep trying. Right. You know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, so for, for people, if you're out there listening and you've been battling with weight or anything that you know is fixable, right? Just fucking do it. Yeah, you know, and 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 make the decision first that you actually want to do it before you start talking about it, because people are more willing to help you when they know that you're actually serious about it. You know, and I think it's also embracing the idea that there is a humiliation factor to all this, right? Like I was beaten into submission, and you rarely learn anything on a good day. In trademark Josh Beck, <laughs> <laughs> but like, no, that's so not mine. It's probably like D- Deepak Chopra. <laughs> but you know, it's so true. And for me, it like literally, I had to get so sick and tired of having the same feelings. And and you as well as I know, like some guys are bigger guys, and and they just rock it. And they never think about it yep. and it doesn't stop them from flourishing with women yep. or from, you know, it, it doesn't stop them in any way. But for me, it was always a hang up. And I always mm-hmm. inside was dying from the idea that this was the image I was projecting. But it took me till I was almost 18 to finally say like enough is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. And, it, and it was a two year journey to inevitably drop almost 100 pounds. It's fucking insane. Yeah. How, what was your biggest? 290. Oh, wow. So you were a little bigger than me. I was 260 at one point. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I mean, I, I, I'm sure I stopped weighing myself at that point because who wants to partake in that? Of course. Yeah. But, but it becomes a vicious cycle. Oh, yeah. And even for me too, talking about the weight gain and loss, like for me, I was a pretty healthy, normal kid growing up. Mm. And then, you know, started to get bigger and then when I was, you know, was known as, and then it was my identity. Right. And then when I was about 16, 17, I was playing hockey and I started exercising four times a week and I lost the weight and was like what I, what I look like now. Right. And then I went to college, put on a good 30, 40 pounds. You got that degree? Oh, f- oh no, I dropped out. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love how I get more respect for dropping out than getting yeah. the degree. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck You're about that. to go down a couple pegs on the old gangster scale. Yeah. No, 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 no. I've been trapping out the bando. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then put on weight in college. And then, you know, I was pretty big when I was in Toronto, even after college. And then I started to lose, drop a little bit of weight in LA. But uh, and then I lost weight over this past 10 months or whatever it's been. But but it sounds like for you, and tell me if I'm wrong, that yours was just natural, awkward adolescence. Like you overindulged. Maybe your mom loved you a little bit too much and showed it through food. But yeah. Like, because for me, it was, a, I think it was a different thing. Well, for me, I think it was a little bit of, oh, have another, grandma saying have another plate. Right. And a little bit of me being um, emotionally unstable. Right. And dealing and like dealing with it like that. 
Right. And by eating a lot of food. And as to, to what we were talking about, even in the first episode when I had you on was, you know, I didn't have any unhealthy food in my house. So the only thing that I wanted to do when I went out was just, you know, go nuts. And then weed came into play. Oh, come on. And I just started to really enjoy smoking weed and eating. Yeah, and... weed is like fat steroids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's like cheese to a mouse, you know? It's it's so funny because when I was a kid and there was no junk food at my house because my mom too has had struggles with the whole weight thing. And so then I'd go to people's houses and I'd literally disappear and all you would hear from the kitchen was like… Crackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it was… Yeah, you going in. Me going through people's cabinets unabashedly. Like Why Why else do you think… What, what was the real reason why you were, do you think, eating? I mean, I've, I've definitely unpacked this um, over time, but the reality is, is that I have a propensity to overindulge in all things. Yes. And so I think when you see in like any overindulgence, be it drugs or alcohol, food, or even the things that we think- Women. Women, spending, cigarettes. Fortnite. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what it is, but people are bugged bugging. out. Drizzy's Drake's playing it. bugging Can you out believe that? Well, he's not bugging out, but he's playing. I don't what? blame him. I was watching it. It mm. doesn't even look like that good of a game. I'm sure. I mean, I've gotten, I've never been a big gamer, but the few games I have played, I've found myself going to that wormhole and been like, yes. this is bad. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto, Call oh, of Duty. Come on. Yeah. Halo. NBA, NBA 2K. Yes. Yo. Halo. NFL Blitz. Oh my God. Oh, NFL Blitz. Son. NFL Blitz. Yeah. Uh, NBA. NBA Jam. Yeah. Yeah. Sonic. Come on. Of course. Mario Kart. Oh. Oh, so many so good good. times. So why was I fat? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, listen, I, like everyone else, had my own little sad story. And I'm mm -hmm. sure as a kid, being super overly analytical, overly sensitive, you yeah, know, if yeah, you me saw too. me, me at, if you saw me at 10 years old, you would have been like, get this kid a pizza or like, yeah. or a drink or, yeah, or a blunt or something, or something, yeah. something to chill him out. Well, the thing is, is I think also, too, there's a correlation between, you know, being a fat youth mm. and having a difficult time with girls at that age. You right. Know, because I, you know, I was a cute kid and I did well with girls or whatever. But I, I, I the, the thing that was holding me back the most was my mental was was me being like, oh, she won't she won't kiss you or she would never because you're too fat. Right. Of course. You know what I mean? And then that would turn into a you know it would it would it would affect and then i would eat more right and then i would be more insecure and then I, and it was just like a you know they they it, they fueled each other's fire right and it's a tough cycle to break through right you know and i think it's a it's a part of growth like you know in your teens or in your 20s you know you can afford to feed yourself like that because you feel a certain way. Right. But everyone comes to a point when, I mean, you much earlier than me, you know, took me till I was 30, 31. Well, I, I think too, me being in the business at such a young age, I mean, I, I remember having an agent who will go unnamed Bonnie and <laughs> <laughs> at, you know, 10 or 11 years old. And, and I was going to performing arts high school. And and what you do, the the grind as a 10-year-old actor in New York was you audition for every commercial all the time. So mm -hmm. it was these cattle calls. I'm not saying cattle call because I was just fat as a cow, but it, it was literally <laughs> hundreds of kids. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, wait, where's that? <laughs> bing, bing. We didn't have it, thank you. Wait, do you, do you have a cowbell with you? I have a cowbell here. I love it. Hit it. Josh is here for his audition. <laughs> and so you'd go in with a hundred, you know, kids who look just like you or didn't. And you'd be reading for the Verizon commercial, the the Oreo commercial, whatever. And and I just remember at a certain point I wasn't getting auditions. And it was because people that look like me as a kid couldn't audition for food commercials because they didn't want to say associate fat kids with the brand. Yeah. Overindulgence or like our food will lead to be being uh, overweight. Obesity. Right. And so, and when you're a kid, it's usually like you're auditioning for the delicious kid food commercials. Stop. I don't think I've seen a fat kid in a commercial ever. Right. I mean, if they do, it's, it's a specific thing, but yeah, it's, it's really, 
It's I'm sure it's still to this day. There's no. I'm I'm thinking about it. They do not put fat kids in commercials. They put fat babies in commercials. Yeah, and they're cute as hell. And they're cute as hell, and they're just as cute as Eleven with a small lisp and a dark haired Jewish put, boy they, in New York. <laughs> no, but I'm just thinking about it. They do not put fat people on in commercials. I. Rem- I I remember saying to my mom, like, I don't know why I'm not getting auditions anymore. And she kind of saying to my agent at the time, Bonnie, she was like, why isn't, you know, like. Why did you and Bonnie split up? Oh, here, oh, here it comes. Hey-o. It's because my mom's was like, yo, like, how come like all his friends are going out? And Bonnie straight up was like, well, if he loses 50 pounds and dyes his hair blonde, I'll get him more no. auditions. And my mom was like, bet you're fired. Yo. <laughs> yo. Are you fu- Yo, what was her name? Bonnie. <laughs> ha, hi, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how those cats. <laughs> We're ringing the catamel, Bonnie. We're doing okay over here. We don't know we where are you're at. How are those fucking. Oh, what a. Oh, fuck. And I guess in her position, I it mean, is what it is. But man, like the that's what's problem. Like I don't want to name an agent. I don't know. I can't name this my this agent. Okay. I, but I called an agent recently, and I was like, "Yo, I need some road work. Like, what's the deal? Give me some road work." He was like, "You know, unfortunately, heavy. It's not about being funny anymore. It's about if you have a following or if you're popping. If you have some, if you're booked." So I'm like, I was just like. Oh, this makes me want to ring. I know. It was like the, it was just like a Bonnie ver- like situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I mean- all, you know, anybody listening, I've sold two TV shows that were both based, created, and written by me. And great titles. Great Killer titles. titles. One was called Hungry, Hungry, Heavy. And one was called One Time with Heavy. Because things only happen once in life unless you have a goddamn time machine. Right. McFly. And my two mistakes on both of them and my and, and and just a piece of life advice. Always stick to what the fuck you are feeling in your gut and you know is right. Because otherwise it's going to get diluted and your vision is going to get veered the fuck off the road. Yeah, I think that's true. It's going to get fucked up. Um, Bonnie. Bonnie. But- <laughs> Who's dying their hair for you now and losing 50? <laughs> but that's you know that that's the industry I, th- oh yeah that's the industry and that's what it was and i think that's probably what incited me to lose weight earlier is because i was faced with it every day i mean i picked the worst business to be to a part of to, what a horrible thing to say to some young kid and i mean i'm sure to her she just was like this is like the hard reality of it and it was me you know i I could have been great at so many, I, I don't know if I could have been great at so many other, other things, but I could have chose other paths that aren't so image focused. In, in fact, any other path would have been more Accepting. conducive yeah. to my mental state, but I happened to pick the worst one well, for that. How, how old were you when she said this? I think it was like 11. Holy shit. It was something that I didn't know Imagine, deep down. No, I know, I know, I know. Imagine like for, oh my God. I mean, when you're, you know, it's so funny when you're a fat guy, especially in this business and early on as a kid, you just, you have this lane and I crushed it in that lane. And you basically are sort of, you know, you're put in the position of the bully, the type or the funny friend. And that's sort of where you, you live. And now obviously with all the initiatives in Hollywood, be it the diversity initiative and what have you, like there are, are, I got something I want to talk about too when you're, when you're done. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. But like, you know, there, there's, we're more conscious than ever about widening the, excuse me. No, of course. We're, we're more conscious than ever about widening the net and, and allowing for people that don't look like the specific type that we were all used, used to, to. Because they have so much to bring to these things and maybe even things that, you know, the perfect looking waspy guy doesn't necessarily have. Oh my God. Exactly. And it's so funny, you know, I was sitting at the Beverly Hills Hotel, eating pancakes. And this girl was sitting next to me. And she was sitting there, you know, white girl, Jewish girl, about 35. And she was sitting there and she was telling me about how her acting career was over because her agent told her that, you know, if you're not someone of uh, color or something something different other than a white girl, that you're not going to book something. And so she was like, so I just kind of let, I was like thinking to myself, you know, and she was kind of like complaining about it. I'm like, 
you know what? God forbid someone other than a white, affluent female would book a female role. Like, God forbid an Asian who, who moved here or a Latino who moved here or anyone other than a white, white person. And it's like, I, I think it's funny, like, obviously, uh, you know, like, it's just, it's just so ridiculous because for how many years was it only white people? Oh, it's so ridiculous. So, so, oh, you're, you're giving up. What was her you, name? Brenda? Yeah. Probably. No, I think it was I think she was rep by Bonnie. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> no, but some generic but, ass name like Jennifer. But you know what? This is a great thing that's happened because it sifted out the people who were trying to do this for, yeah. the, for the wrong reasons. Yeah, the half measurers. Exactly. And it's and it's and it's raised the bar for people to actually be passionate about what they're doing. Without you know? a doubt. Without a doubt. So, oh, I'm sorry, poor affluent 35 year old white girl eating yeah. at the Beverly Hills hotel with her parents on a Saturday. You're not sorry, Donna. Any. Sorry, Jennifer. Yeah. Sorry, Becky. Sorry, Lydia. Sorry, Becky. Sorry. <laughs> God, but Becky. like, I'm just, and it's an, it's, 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 it's a thing that white people need to get used to. It's 2018. These other people, these other, uh, ethnicities are, you know, have had a harder go at it and are probably in some cases, depending on the person, more capable or talented or willing to create the opportunities for themselves or work harder or read the lines all night or whatever. Because it's not just in acting. It's in all across the fucking board. You I know? think that's right. And I think also it's just the reality is it's like, who are you because of like some some temporary discomfort to say that like for decades of, of, of the scales not being in people's favor and for things being so unbalanced for so long, like allow this to be corrected. And if this, you know, year or two where you're possibly not going to be working as much as you were before can actually dissuade you from your great passion in life, then fuck off. Then you get should, off then, the it's, bus. then it's clearly not your passion. Exactly. Cause yeah. there's, there's people at every stop waiting to get on who really care and, and want to do it and are willing to sacrifice and have been for decades. I was listening to this you know? podcast a while ago and they were talking about how sort of the, the racial disparity in Silicon Valley and how it tends to be a pretty much, you know, white club. Mm -hmm. And they were saying the, they were saying how, you know, they would always hide behind, behind the guise of it's, you know, we don't see color. We just see, you know, the, whoever is best suited for the job. But the reality is, is that the way that you're raised and the way you grow up and having different experience um, sort of educates your decision on things and things that you could never consider because of the way that you were raised. For instance, like if you grew up in the North, you would, your, you, your proclivity would be to put condiments in the fridge. Like yes. I put my mustard and my ketchup in the fridge. So do I. I grew up in New York City. We're not, yeah. we're not crazy, <laughs> yeah. right? Come on. It says refrigerate after opening. Right. But if you grow up in the South, that's less of a thing. Yes. So they would keep their ketchup in the cabinet. Now. Which is weird to me. Think about that shit. Yeah. Is it the right thing? Who knows? Who knows? But what you'll never right? be able to deal with those those possibilities, yes. those decisions, yes. if you just have one type of person there. Yes, it's Come so, on. Yeah, it's so. Leave your ketchup out for a minute and see yeah. how that tastes. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. Get that Heinz 57 and let it live. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You let, ain't, it, let it you flourish. Ain't, you ain't got to refrigerate that shit. <laughs> no, you don't. You can do whatever you want as long yeah. as it tastes good to you. I think so. I just, I, I don't know. I, I and feel. I, I think that's why something like Black Panther is making a billion dollars in two weekends. Right. Because it's finally the right thing. It's finally a superhero that's not Captain America, you know? Yeah. And what pissed me off about it, about the girl saying it, was because it was like, oh, you're not willing to struggle for a couple of years? Right. Oh, you're not willing to do that for this? 
I was sitting there thinking to myself, I've been struggling for nine years and I'm right. not, and I'm not stopping. Yeah. And, and, and maybe a year and a half of your agent not sending you out and you're in some other business. Did you even care? Yeah. Did you give a fuck? You're like, we're both at the Beverly Hills hotel and you're it, eating a it, full meal. And I ordered off the kid's menu, it, but you know what? I make sacrifices. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. Yeah. Bitch, I ordered a half order of pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm over here with the short stack slumming it. Yeah. And there you are on your third mimosa living yeah. it up. Yeah. So think about that. Don't complain. Yeah. Good be for you. Be mindful. Right. <laughs> I'm over here eating a half order. <laughs> Bring it in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure this syrup is 100%. But this leads into another thing that I wanted to talk about. Yes. And it's about how in this day and age, it's just not done the same way as it used to be done. And I think that's for a, a number of different reasons. You know, there's the internet. So people are used to getting information and answers quicker and things done faster and globalization and this, that, and all the technology and advances that we've made and this, that, and the other. Right. But with even all that, things like this can still happen. And I think it's a testament to our generation and where we're at. My parents live in an old home. Mm. And it's back in Canada. And that home is standing upright and nothing's, you know, there's certain parts of the house that I'm sure are breaking or decrepit or whatever, but things were built and done differently right. back in the day, properly, no shortcuts, no, how can we save a buck here or there? It was like, you're building a house you want this thing to stand for hundreds of years to right. come until a catastrophic uh, environmental, like until something, unless there was like a crazy earthquake or something. They built things to last. Right. Right. I don't know if you saw yesterday, but there was this bridge in Florida. Yeah, a pedestrian bridge. A pedestrian right? bridge that was six months to being opened up. So it wasn't finished construction. It was it was still being built and there was a remaining 6 months on this on this fucking bridge. Right. And it just collapsed yesterday out of nowhere. 6 months previous uh, like before it was supposed to be opened. Right. And people are dead and it's just like what what the fuck is going on? I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure mistakes happen. Right. You know, and shit like that happened back in the day, you know, but I feel like it's just a testament to how shit is built differently. It's such a, it's such a fucking tragedy. And I, and I, I mean, it's hard for me to be critical only because I am so not handy. And if I was Neither in charge, I. if I was in charge of building anything ever, I would only expect for it to crumble <laughs> at too. my fingertips. Me too. Like I look at a bench or a chair sometimes. And I'm like, I don't even know how you do that. Me too, dog. Simple. I watch, I watch videos of the guys doing stuff on the internet, like on the video. Uh, even making a pot. Yeah. Like. I bought a bed frame when I moved into my new apartment with my fiance at the time. And her dad came over to help assemble the Ikea furniture. And I literally sat there in awe thinking like, you are, um, you, you're a superhero. I can't set up a, a set of, yeah, but there's other things that we can do. Yeah. Come like, on. Like flourish. Yeah. I, I like to see her dad tell a joke. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. <laughs> he's actually hilarious. He does 20 minutes of killer material while setting up a cabinet. We're all like. I'm so sorry. I yeah, said me that, Ken. You, yeah. Um, please, I hope I can still come for Easter one time. Um, <laughs> we think you're funny, Ken. <laughs> I um, but, still though. Fuck you, Bonnie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, I've come to find out that it's really about having the right tool for the job. Yes, that's very important. Which is why I think men procure these incredible tool sheds, yes. take over their garages, have yes. man caves. But back to this bridge. Yeah, I mean, I think it's awful. But there's nothing. I mean, is there anything leading to like where where the fault lies? Uh, I read the article briefly, and uh, from <laughs> you were like, room. once I decided to make it a topic for today, I, I stopped reading. Yeah, I basically <laughs> stopped reading because it Solid. was just, my the 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 most important lesson I wanted to learn from it was that it's just things are made differently these days and it's yeah. just not the same. Things break before they're even, before you're even done building them. Shout out to those kids and anyone that was affected with that. That's oh just God. like, horrible, oh, dude. Fucking God. dude. Awful. And who's responsible? The government or the company who was building that? I would say probably both. the company. Yeah. Or both. I mean, because the sure government's that, the one that hired them, right? And was it, or was it the university? I think what happened was, is there was a, it was a, it was a, Busy crossway. Yeah. 
a student got hit by a car, and that's when they decided to build the crossway. Right. And then this happened. You know, it's incredible, though, too, how much infrastructure and engineering we just mindlessly trust. Oh, my God. But, dude, how many times have you been driving in L.A. or a city and, like, looked at the thing and been like, that does not look right. And then there's some thing that's not even, like, brand new being built and just collapses. Right. So Sometimes, like, like, even driving on an, like, going, you know, under the freeway. In in L.A., yeah. Yeah, I'm like, nope. Oh, dude. (laughs) Dude. I'm sure there'll be more of it coming. Yeah. Because, yeah. Side question. What do you Mm. think is more nerve-wracking? Going up at the comedy store at like 1130 at night or playing in a major Final Four, any sort of major national championship game? What do you think is more nerve-wracking? Major national. (laughs) For sure. But I mean, mean, this is is me 10, like nine years in, you know? And but but yeah, I'm pretty sure even though at my beginning I would have said. What about recording your first stand-up special for Netflix or something? Then the exact same or more. Like like I, I would have I'd be I'd be just as nervous or more than than it would have to be like the championship game. But is that and is that the crossover amongst great athletes, great entertainers alike in the respect of their ability in which because you can only your skills get to a certain level and then it becomes a mind game, right? Yeah. And then it's your ability to 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 perform under the if 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 you have you know ice running through your veins as they say yes you know? the ice yeah you know and I feel like I got a couple of ice cubes running <laughs> through my arteries right now I mean it's chilly in here <laughs> I, I you know because that's what I found to be so interesting too and in the rare times where I've gotten to be in a movie with a great actor or something to that effect it's like or even for the to the audition process right hitting it in on the in the audition. That's well, a lot of pressure. An audition is a, is completely different from actually having a role and acting on TV or mm-hmm. in a play or what have you. It's a, it's a different muscle because what they're asking you to do is sort of create an entire scenario in a room that is so not conducive for acting because you're so nervous. You've just sat in a waiting room with everyone that you're against. You don't really know the words that well. Oh or- my. Or you do know the words that well and you've overly prepared it. And you're stuck there and you're basically there singing for your soup, praying that somehow the planets have aligned. And I remember I heard Vince Gilligan talk about this once, who's the guy who created Breaking Bad and X-Files. And wow, wow, wow. Prolific. <laughs> and he said, you know, and I thought it was so true. He's like, any of us, writer, director, executive producers, he's like, when we create a character and we write the scene, we have an idea of the look in our mind. So if you walk into a room and you don't look like the guy, there's very little you're going to do to get the job. Now, it happens, and sometimes people crush it so hard that they all of a sudden see that, like, wow, I never thought that someone like like you, but it works. But for the most part, he's like, and conversely, if you walk in and you look like the guy, then you just have to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like, the hope is— That makes it work. Yeah, it's just like, look, this is the one, and and we'll shoot around. We'll get a couple extra takes. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure the guy who got the Tupac role wasn't the best actor. Perhaps that not. That came into audition. You could probably venture to say yeah, that. Yeah. There's probably some like brilliant Juilliard trained actor who came in, but he looked more like Donald Glover or something. And it just, <laughs> they were it like, wasn't, it's not going to work. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not it's Tupac. It's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. You have too much hair. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, and it's cool to hear from your perspective too, because well, you have way more experience with it than I do. Well, it's it was fascinating. I, you know, uh, forgive me for this name drop because I'm uh, I'm already sick of myself. No. But I got to do a, I, I got a small part in this movie with Pacino, right? The guy. Ow! And so I got to do like three three scenes with him. Yeah, Alfred. And <laughs> and Not I just, his brother, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don Pacino. Yeah. Lesser known actor, lovely man. Yeah, he's done a couple uh Hulu, yeah. Hulu films. Yeah, he did a, he had a couple under fives on CSI yes. uh, CSI Nork. <laughs> CSI Saskatchewan. Yeah, exactly. For our Canadian listeners. Yes. And I just remember watching, you know, obviously being obsessed with his process and trying to pick up anything that I could <laughs> from being around the legend. And I just got to watch that, like, because you so assume that someone like that comes in, they hit their mark, first take perfect, second takes just one for fun, and they go, I'll, you know, you'll find me in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But 
I would see him work things out and see him go through a process and try things and use the first couple of takes to sort of reveal something about it to finally get to a certain place and how he was so very human and yet his skills were on a level in which I had never experienced. And I think it was also because he's, he had gotten so comfortable and his method was sort of so tight that there were no bad surprises. He wasn't afraid. There, there was, was no, no tension. Yeah, there was no like, oh God, if I try this and I look stupid, I'm going to be worried about what everyone's going to think of me. It was like, all of this can work as long as it's truthful and it's in the scene. And if this seems odd for a minute, because we all have our moments of being weird or or bugging out, but it's like we we don't just sit on these moments. We somehow root it back in a normal conversation. Yeah, and I think that being genuine is something that you can't fake. Right. And being vulnerable is something that you can't fake. Right. And being willing to fail yeah. and to not be afraid. Like, dude, it's, it's, it's something that everyone I feel like at the beginning wants to be perfect and you don't, Oh no, I'm the best. I'm the best. But the best is like failing or like just, it's like nothing is a fail because you're just learning the entire time. Right. The entire time is just like, how can you spin it into, you know, nothing's a loss. Right. And it sounds like Pacino is just so comfortable in himself from what you were just saying that he just wasn't afraid to mess up, you know? And that's something that a lot of people are afraid to do and it ends up holding them back. And I've fucked up so many times. And right. I think it's, you know, originally it sucks. You're like, fuck, it's frustrating and it sucks. And you're just pissed off and angry and right. you think you're trapped and stuck. But eventually you come to that realization of, wow, like, although it seemed like that was a complete L at the time, like, I actually learned something from it and, like, gained something from it. And right. I have that with me now and I just know that now. And, like, now, like, I, like hearing no, I used to get really rattled, you know, because I'm an emotional guy. Right. And I love to hear yes. I, like, we all do. We all do. Come on. We all do. And it was like for anything, like, can we go do this? Can I go play hockey? Can we eat this? Can I see this girl? And it was, I always wanted to hear yes. And hearing no was tough. But once you understand that no isn't a bad thing. Right. Uh, I feel like it, it opens your, you, that's when you can really spread your wings and flourish. Like I, like nothing's a fail. Like as long as I'm healthy and my family's good. Yeah. And I'm still trying, then it's a win. The meditations. You know? The yeah. meditations are heavy. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? One <laughs> So moving on to a different topic. Please. Um, Stormy Daniels. How about her? So, so, tr- so it was basically an affair that was going on. Were you a fan of Stormy before she came into the public light with this whole thing? Didn't know her. I did. Why you watch porn like that? I well, listen, I I <laughs> I I have watched the porn. Yes. But it's funny because HBO had a series about porn like it was I remember it was like sort of like the underbelly and it was all about the San Fernando Valley which if people don't know is sort of the birthplace of course epicenter of porn of course and I saw the bunny one from Nevada it was like a version of that okay I remember like obviously at 15 years old or whenever I saw that obsessed with porn I no, no, no. I, well, yes, but like obsessed. Uh, that age I was. Well, at 15, I was obsessed with this show because it was like, because I, I didn't quite yet have, you know, easy access to a computer. Mm-hmm. And so like, so it was, I was like, what? Like Behind the scenes. Like, yeah, it was like that. And what was the other one? Uh, Taxi Cab Confessionals. Oh my God. And, yes. and the Bunny Ranch one. Yeah, the Bunny Ranch. And I was like, thank God we are rich enough to have HBO <laughs> because you are completely supplying my childhood dreams right now. And Stormy Daniels, I remember, was- They're all such busted girls, too. It's, it's like- Oh, yeah. When you're younger, you see, like, a, some busted porn star. You're like, oh, my God. And then, you're like, looking back, like, ew. <laughs> you're like, like that's oh a 10. My. Yeah, exactly. And I remember, like, Stormy Daniels was was docu- was one of the major players on this documentary. And she would talk all about her life and her experience and what have you. And I was like, I just always, that name stuck with me. So then when she, like, came back out of the recesses of wherever she was over the last year or so, I'm like, oh, my 
God. Like, Stormy was welcome fucking back. Donald. How about that? And apparently she raised 150 grand for legal fees to sue him. Because she did a Kickstarter. Yeah. 150 grand. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, you know, talking about Trump and Stormy is Donald Trump Jr. is getting a divorce. Yes. Seems like things are, I mean, I feel bad for, I guess, the the kids in that scenario, but I don't really know the details of it. I just know that the picture of Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and his wife is like extremely disturbing. I don't know if you've ever seen the photos no, of them. But I, I, could, I could see that. Yeah. Um, divorce, I mean, it's just so funny too that like it seems like divorce is the one thing that happens to all people no matter what. It's the great equalizer, right? Because it's you, it's ubiquitous, and especially in the entertainment community, and even politicians and athletes, it's like it's common. It's, it plagues everyone, everybody, and people that are like, you know, it happens to young people, it happens to older people, people with billions of dollars, and people that are penniless. Yes, everyone's Gets getting divorced. divorced. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not anyone's fault. It just happens. Things don't work out. Sometimes. I think it's a lot of people's faults. Oh, for sure. I think for sure. And I think it's a whole, and listen, I'm newly married. So who knows? Like in 10 years when my wife leaves me and upgrades and I won't blame her, like I might be here just being like, well, I should have fucking seen that coming. But we'll be recording the podcast and we, <laughs> yeah, we'll be calling Bonnie for auditions. I'll be crying, <laughs> yeah. calling Bonnie. Yeah, calling I'll be back Bonnie. up to 285. Yeah, calling, call, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Bonnie, yeah. I need you. Bonnie, we need you. But I think it's too, it's at like, and I, I'm about to sound like a, a total cornball like no, old dude. school but like I don't think people take the institution of marriage serious enough I was thinking about it and I was thinking about how difficult it is these days with the internet and Instagram and we just know too much we've seen too much like you I think you're in a great position because you found the one and it felt right and you totally just forward with it and I can't wait till that moment when I can meet a girl where I throw everything else away you know right but fuck until then I'm gonna smoke this weed and get this money and I think that's great I think that's exactly and, what you should be doing yeah and but it's tough especially in a city like LA I think there's you know this isn't exactly the conversation but uh, you know, experiencing like I did that show with John Stamos and he was, I think he's the best example of well into his early fifties. He was successful, handsome, beloved, sought after, sought after, you know, definitely a legendary stick man and like kind of had the dream life in quotes that many young men think. Aspire. Would, yeah. And he would have been the first one to tell you that like, he was not fulfilled. No. And then like he met a great person. Now they're going to have a kid. And it's like, I've never seen him happier. And I think. Than with someone. Yeah. Then, then fulfilling this, this part of his life. And I'm sure that he wouldn't have minded had it come earlier. It just was, it came at exactly the right time. Yeah. And I think that's so telling for, especially look, not everyone is suited for that life. And I think that's true, but I think most people in some capacity are. And I think sometimes I think about now being 31 and I love my routine. I love being able to come make a podcast with you at noon on a Friday, Friday and going to yoga whenever I want or like staying out doing, you know. Being your own boss. Yeah. Having, having my own comings and goings. Okay. But the reality is, is like, I'm sure that if I spent the next 10 or 15 years doing exclusively this, at a certain point, it's like, how many fucking dinners can you go to? Yeah, you're going to need change. How many events can you go to? How many, like, yeah, like, we all love some free swag. Like, how many free, you Boxes know. Boxes of shit. Yeah, yeah. like, how it's many things. dry out. But I think that the whole family kid foundation thing is sort of like this never-ending stream of new experience and forces you to kind of think about someone other than yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as a narcissist. <laughs> Same here. Uh, it was nice to get a dog out here. And you was, love that dog. I fucking love pizza so much. I'm you love go that home dog. And shower her and treats. Oh, boy. But it's not just a dog or how long have we been going? Uh, where, where are we going? About an hour. Oh, wow. Not bad, right? Wow, not bad. Shit Felt is, like 30. Shit is flying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, keep going. 
Not if, not if, not that, like, I mean, to each one's own, but you just have to, like, I just love pizza so much, that unconditional love. It's always there, never leaves. Yeah. Sweetest dog. And uh, it's something that you only get with animals or genuine people. I think so. And I think my buddy always says, like, when you pick the person that you you know, have a relationship with or marry or whether you believe in that or not, like they are a mirror to you. And so they are a constant. I mean, I always say like what I found in my wife is that I thought I was crushing it. And they like, she will nicely remind me that I'm an asshole <laughs> like a couple of times a week. Like and I'd be like, Oh, I see. Thank and you. Like Bring, bringing you back in. Yeah. And she'll like pull me back into my lane and it forces constant growth. And if, if yes. we know anything, it's like, the one thing that's the most uncomfortable for human beings in general is growing and being pushed out of our comfort zone. And, and unfamiliarity. Yeah, and breaking routine because it's worked. Exactly. And so anybody listening, don't be afraid to take the risk and, you know, try something different or to, or to trust your gut and to do something that, that you, you wanted, you've always wanted to do, but you've just never had the chutzpah to do it you know or the balls to do it you can you can do it or you can at least try yeah do you know what i'm saying and with all due respect to the notebook which i love as a movie because you know i have a heart and eyes and feelings yes but don't let shit like the notebook and you know sort of the the sense of rom you know romance that we're all peddled as kids and that we grow up watching in movies and Pixar movies and what have you shout out Pixar I would love to work for you but <laughs> me too <laughs> but nevertheless please have you not but like <laughs> we were sort of indoctrinated with this overblown idea of romance that is just not reality no and and for me what's been revealed is that it's sort of this own version of that when the real that real shit and it's just as great but in its own way but it's hard i mean it is hard it takes work and you have to both be willing to work yeah and i think you have to be in a place in your life where you actually want to settle down right and where you want that and if you are i think there's nothing there's nothing better than it because i mean i've been in a relationship before and it's it's much better than it's a much better feeling on a consistent basis than like my advice for relationships for anybody who's listening. And I'm sure you can concur with this, Josh is, you know, you have to go after something that you want, right? But ultimately if it's not working out or if it's not reciprocating, then maybe it's not the right thing, you know? Right. Don't reach too hard, you know? Oh, I think so, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. It has to be, it has because in a relationship, you need balance. Right. And once it becomes, you, you, once, once one partner feels like, you know, uh, the other partner isn't willing to do what they would be willing to do, mm. you know, is when things can get sticky. You have to allow the right thing to reveal itself. And I find... <laughs> There's a ghost in here. Jesus, things no, are falling it's just, everywhere. It's just a webcam that was being held up by duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> Janky as shit. Janky as fuck. But yeah, I think that for the most part, it's just about a willingness to work at things. And look, I met my wife when I was 24 years old and I was so not in the place of thinking that this was when I was going to settle down. And and for the first couple of years we were together, it was this great thing, but I never inevitably thought that like, okay, this is a person that I'm going to wind up with. I mean, I knew that I loved her and that like it was a total possibility, but I, I wasn't even capable think in my young like, mind yeah. to think down the road. Cause I'm like, cause you know, marriage is reserved for grownups mm-hmm. and like people that have it together and yes. have consistent jobs and aren't, you know, waiting for their next, you know, uh, brand deal Instagram post. <laughs> and, hey, uh, no problem with that. Yeah. No problem. No problem with that. Thank God for that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. But, you know, the reality is, is that 
I, I stayed involved. I didn't let my image of what I thought I needed to be doing at 26 or 27. Like, I need to be out there living and having experience and meeting mm-hmm. other people. I was like, no, I found a great person who I really enjoy being with and she makes me better. So what is there to say? Yeah. And why, then, do I, why do I need to continue to look for any? Like, this is it. Right. Yeah. And then at 29 and 30 and then… I mean, this is, uh, you know, uh, it's it's so corny, so forgive me. But I remember sitting with a friend of mine, Paula, who I love and I really, and she's older than me and she has this great relationship and kids and I've always looked up to her in that respect. And I remember I was sort of, I, I had bought the engagement ring for my wife, but it was, I was sitting on it for a few months. Cause just to make sure. It's just my nature, just because I'm just, I'm just to sl- see, just I'm to see. slow moving. <laughs> And I, uh, I'm, I'm one pragmatic. You wanted to give Jew. her, you wanted to give her like two more months to maybe fuck up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, let's just give her a couple more months. And I remember like sitting there at lunch and and sort of asking Paula, like, how do you know when you're ready? And she said to me something to the effect of, "Does she make you laugh?" And I said, "Yeah." And she's like, do you, "Is she the first person you want to call when something good happens, and also the first person you want to call when something when bad, bad happens. happens?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, well, then what else do you have to think about? That's true. And uh, four days later, I was engaged. Wow. So that was the… And on my way to Paris, bong. Hey. Hey. Croissant gang. You understand? (laughs) I know. That sounds so much cooler than I actually am. But I was going to Europe to go work. Oh. And I was going with Paige. And I had a feeling, and she hasn't ever confirmed whether or not this was true, but… At this point, we had been together four and a half years. And I imagine she was getting a little jibber-jabber in her ear like, like you're up super romantic. And like, what's he waiting for? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, and I'm an idiot, right? So I'm like, if I try to propose in Europe, I'm going to lose this ring. And every day that I, like, TSA is going to take it or something. Something's going to happen. And then I thought, and if she's expecting it every day, I don't do it. She's gonna be like this fucking, fucking guy. guy, like upset, yeah. Yeah. yeah, on the fence, fucking can't commit. So I'm like, so I'm gonna do it in the morning. So I did it like at 7 a.m. that morning. Wow. And I was like, now let's go have a great trip, and we did. Wow. It was dope. That's an incredible way to start a trip. So perfect, it worked out. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. But you know, inevitably, it's uh, it, it is. It's revealed itself to be one of those those things where you have to be willing to be in and, and to take and the work. lunch and to fully do it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look at your shit. Like I know a lot of old, um, uh, older guys who are like in their sixties and seventies who are single, who smoke cigarettes, who are who do whatever the hell they want, and they're always right, and they're all alone. Yeah. You know, and they got dough and they golf when they want Mm -hmm. and they're always right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're always right. But they don't, they don't have anyone and maybe they don't want, but I find that I bet some of them do. Oh, I'm sure. For sure. sure. You want that companionship. I mean, there's nothing more that I want to see other than a couple of little Jeffies running around. Would you please bless the world? I know, right? With some young J's. I know. Young J in the house. So… It'll, you know, it'll it'll come. Maybe for you first, and then and then I'll get there. Jeffy Junior, what are you up to over here? Just over here flourishing. Just Dad. over here flourishing. Can I smoke weed yet? <laughs> no. Wait until you're thirteen, <laughs> like I did. It'll be your bar mitzvah. Game. Yeah, yeah. It'll be your yeah. We can blaze your bar mitzvah. Relax. In ten years, you've become Seth Rogen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be your your bar mitzvah. Game. That's a terrible Seth Rogen. <laughs> um. One last thing I want to talk about before we end. Please. I thought it was interesting. More so just that the kids coordinated and everyone coordinated, but the walkout at the schools for the against yeah. gun violence. Very impressive. Very impressive. This would not have happened. This would not have been able to have happened. Right. In in past generations. And uh fuck. I mean, obviously, it's a great thing that they walked out on the the gun violence, but they should do this for a couple things. Mm. Uh, what else? I, I I just I think it was great. I think gun violence is horrible. I've, I've talked about this in another episode, so I you know I don't need to explain my thoughts on gun violence. Obviously, yeah. you're more than welcome to weigh in, but I think that gun violence is uh, something that in this country. It's finally going to change. And, right. you, and you've already seen it. Like Dick's Sporting Goods, not selling automatic weapons. 
Jones. Right. Or this company discontinuing the carrying of the AR. Right. Or people making videos of them dismantling their ARs saying no one will ever use this again. Right. And I think that's great. But I think there's an opportunity for a lot, like a lot more of that. So it's not only just gun violence, i.e. bullying. Bullying. Bullying is what leads to gun violence. Mm. You know, like preventative stuff. Right. Um, and also, too, just one quick thing. Like, I've read a couple articles about how in Europe that there's no homework for the kids. Right. They just go to school, and then there's no homework. And all the kids love to go to school. And the kids do way better. Because when you're young, you need time to develop outside of school, i.e. playing sports with your friends or art or something that you actually fucking want to do. Right. Rather than just some fucking bullshit that you have to go to. So I think that American school system should change and it should there should be more of a, there should be no homework. So the kids, because for me, I'd go to school, fucking hated it. Then came home, tutor waiting for me. Shit. Then when I would go to piano lessons or whatever, I wouldn't be able to like appreciate it because right. I'd be like, oh, this is just another form of school. And who were, I could have been Beethoven. Yeah, well, you, we, the world was robbed because of the fucking Beethoven because of the North American school system. Because you needed to learn fucking trigonometry. Yo, yo, okay, yeah. (laughs) I've spoken about this before, but you ever heard of like kids fucking their teachers? Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, and like, I heard about like one school that wanted to condemn the kid, like hold him back. Hold him back. What? Hold him back. He's fucking the teacher. He's clearly beyond introduction to algebra. He Skip should, a grade. He should be teaching a class. Don't yeah. to fuck the teacher. Uh, absolutely. I, and he should be varsity in all sports, even if he's never played them. Exactly. Or she. Or, but yeah, it's or different. It's, but see, that's where it gets weird. It does. It gets weird. I mean, I think, you know, what I find is incredibly inspiring with this walkout and kids being so active in this movement. Mm. Um, it... it too is just the you know I've been I've been disappointed in and I am part of this like millennial fuckboy era where kids more than ever up until this point I felt were living at home too long not feeling the responsibility to be to have create a voice oppor- to create or to create opportunities for themselves create opportunity where everyone just became slightly obsessed with if you're not you know if you don't have Instagram notoriety it's that's completely your value system in life. Mm-hmm. And I find that now more than ever, kids are seeing how important it is for them to take an active role as soon as possible. And I think that the silver lining of a tragedy like this is that they can see that it's actually because I was part of this. And I, I know for years I just felt like, but I'm a kid. I'm, you There's know, nothing even, I can really do. Right. Like even into my 20s. And now you're seeing that it's quite the contrary. Yeah. Like There is shit that with the internet and everything, there is something that you can do. And it's again hearkening back to what we're excuse me no, hearkening okay. back to what we we're talking about about the diversity initiative and being all inclusive and 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 hearing the voices that have been lesser heard. It's that it's that time, yeah. And things can come. I mean, even the 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 brightest of people in their thirties and forties don't have a viewpoint that people in their teens have. And granted, there's a lot of fucking teen knuckleheads because when when else are we going to be knuckleheads and when we're teenagers? Of course. But it doesn't disqualify from the fact that they they can be of of great power and articulate a experience that no one else is having but them, and that it's real and valid. So yeah. I'm I'm so excited, and these kids are impressive. Yeah, like they were brilliant. interviewed on Bill Maher, and I was like, I don't even think these kids would be friends with me at now. It, yeah, they're they're well educated, they're well read, they know what they're talking about. It's it's cool because there was a lot. There was a long time I feel like where everyone was like, oh, the 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 our youth is a write off. We're all gonna die. They're all just listening to Little Pump or whatever. But, <laughs> right, Lil Xan, Lil talking shit about Tupac. Yeah, but um, I think there is a. A bright future out there for America, hopefully. I just think it's, I think the best news is when, and when we as a people take responsibility and we don't push it off on other people and yeah. we feel as though we, it's um, incumbent on us to make our the change. Our responsibility, yeah. 
you know, what kills me too is like whatever your leanings are, left or right, and God knows we're more polarized than ever. But we're we are we are one. Like we're all there's only like, one human race. There's one human race. There, you know, we're part of one country, and we can't cut our nose off despite our our face in the respect of like. If you look at the map, right, and I've thought about this, and so, like, obviously the coastal cities tend to be left-leaning, and then down in the middle of the country is, is mostly, you know, red states. Mm-hmm. But it's like if you looked at if if we're all part of one body, right, you can't say that, well, well, this part is infected, but but – the arms are fine or the mm-hmm. arms are infected yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. but but the the chest is fine like it will find its way all the way through we have yeah. to take responsibility for for one another and and we can't we don't have the um what's the word um uh we don't sort of have the we don't sort of have the privilege to say well those people over there are doing that and it doesn't affect us so and by the way they feel the exact same about us mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's easy for us to politicize different things. But the reality is, is that we, and I know it sounds, you know, overly simple, but we have to work together. Bro, if we don't come together, the human race will it's go done. away. Like the environment um, is something that I don't talk enough about on the podcast. And uh, it's something that I, I used to like turn the water off when I was brushing my teeth because I was like always trying to conserve like when right. I was a younger kid like right yeah and you're like, so I, woke I'm I, I've been woke incredibly woke been, been awake right um and <sighs> fuck it's making me think about this the other day I'm standing mm. and I'm waiting for a sandwich at the Yeasty Boy truck they're serving a heavy sandwich solid and I run to the shout girl. out Yeasty Boy. Shout out Yeasty Boy. Thanks for the free shit. Thank you for the free shit. <laughs> free sandwich. Yeasty Boy is a sponsor of the Happy Podcast. <laughs> pay me. No. <laughs> they don't pay me. Just give me bagels. Um, but I saw her, and she said the N word at one point. Where she was like, "Yeah," and then she said the N word. Who did this girl who I knew? Just in like casual conversation, and I was like, I, I was like, don't, don't do that. I was like. I was looking around. I wasn't even, I was like, just don't do it. Don't do that. Like, don't say, she said it with like a hard R too. I'm like, dude, don't say that. That's fucking bugged Not even out. just like around me. Just don't say it. That's bugged out. Yeah. Yeah. Forget that. Yeah. Fuck that. And like, I'm okay when, you know, um, a friend says it in a, a form of endearment, but I'll never say it even in a song. Like I'll never, I'll, I'll never like, I just won't. I just don't. Well, I think this was um, just a good talk. I feel really good about this. I feel really good. I think we crushed it. We both showed a little vulnerability. Yeah. We, you know, thought about Bonnie and other people. Bonnie, it happens. Yeah. Shout out, Bonnie. It's been Shut a up, while. Bonnie. I'm over it. Don't worry. Yeah, we're good. Give yeah. us a call. Um, but this has been episode nine. This is like a really good one. Yeah. I'm really happy about it. Feels right. Um, yeah. We got in deep, in depth. Um, you can follow Josh. Yeah. At Schwapek. Shua Peck on Instagram. And Josh Peck on YouTube. Is there anything else you want to mention? I think that's good. Okay, cool. This has been episode nine of Flourish Heavy. (laughs) Hi. With good old Josh Peck. Mumble.